So today is the last message for this year in our Equipped series. And if you have not been a part of the series, this is a 15 to 20 year project that we are working on that we began back in 2021. And the goal is to reverse some of the alarming trends that we see happening right now within the church as well as within culture. And we want to try to reverse these by equipping a generation to walk faithfully with God through every stage of life. We are playing the long game in this. If you want to change generations, you have to reach generations. So this entire series is about emphasizing that discipleship happens primarily at home. We find this found over in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Joshua, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ephesians, and so many other places in between. For generational discipleship to happen within the home, we need to build godly marriages for stable homes. We need to train children to know Jesus within the home. We need to set a Christ-like example at our home, and we need to live on mission for God from our home. If there's going to be a change generationally, it has to be that discipleship is happening in a strong way within the home. So at this point, we've already put 15 messages into this series. We're adding on average maybe four to six messages per year. And so far, we have covered establishing a godly home, understanding discipline, developing a discipleship plan, societal trends, role reversal, and the need for biblical modeling among the sexes, parts one and two. We've talked about God's design for marriage, God's instructions for wives, God's instructions for husbands, parts one and two. We've talked about the beauty of motherhood, mentoring and womanhood, the blessing of singleness, praying for your future spouse, the bravery of fatherhood, as well as maturity and manhood. And today, we are adding the topic of single parenting. As you can tell, we are trying to cover people at every single stage of life. Kids, teenagers, married couples, families, divorcees, single parents, widows, retirees, and everybody else in between. What we're trying to do is give four to six messages a year. And the reason I'm only doing four to six messages is because we want to give people an opportunity to work out the truths that we're working in. Give some time. Get those out. We're also bringing these around in four to six messages a year because we don't want to overwhelm people at any one given point in time. If you hear of everything that you're supposed to be doing, sometimes it can be so confusing that you're like, I don't even know where to start. So we're trying to bring it in bite-sized chunks. But the other thing that we're trying to do in this is we're trying to create a resource for families, not only now, but also in the future when they're saying, I don't know how to lead a family well. I don't know what God's design is. We want them to have a resource so that they can look back and say, this is God's design for the family. If you want to get caught up on the previous messages, I encourage you, go to Sherwood's website or the YouTube page. Just search for the word equipped. So today we turn our attention to single parenting. Single parenting could be one of the most under-taught topics within the church, but it is vitally important for every believer. According to Pew Research, the, U the U.S. has the highest rate of children living in single-family households out of 130 countries and territories that have been surveyed. In the United States, 23% of children under the age of 18, live in single-parent homes. 
That equates to roughly 13.6 million single parents who are raising 21.2 million children. The number of single parent families has more than doubled since 1970. Depending upon the research that you were looking at, anywhere between 80 to 90% of all single parents are single moms. That does not mean that there are not a lot of single dads out there, but primarily those who are the caretakers of the children are primarily going to be single moms. If you're wondering if this is an important topic for this church in this city, let me let you know that 77% of all children born in Albany are born to unwed mothers. Second highest number in the state of Georgia. The highest number is right down the road, Sylvester. 83% of all children who are born are born to unwed mothers. If the church is to love the community well, if the church is to be about bringing hope in the gospel and encouragement to all segments of society, we not only need to understand what single parents are walking through, we need to understand how to reach and how to minister to single parents. This is a topic that is incredibly important. A lot of times people think that, well, single parents is just, there's been a child who was born out of wedlock, and, and that is by no means the case. Single parent families are formed for any number of reasons. Sometimes they're formed because of the death of a spouse. Sometimes single families are formed because of divorce. Sometimes they're formed because somebody has been involved in foster care or adoption. And there are some times when there have been those who have had children outside of wedlock, but there's any number of contexts and they all have unique challenges. But here's the thing. The church is uniquely positioned to minister at all levels to each of the different contexts that I just described. So to address single parenting, we are going to study the story of Hagar this morning. I cannot tell you how excited I am about this story. And, and here's one of the reasons I'm excited. The story of Hagar is often seen as a side note to the story of Abraham and Sarah. It's kind of like we focus on Abraham and Sarah, and then it's like, oh, and there's Hagar off to the side. Let me just say, Hagar's story can stand by itself. I hope by the time we're finished today, you're going to see that this is an incredible story. We're studying Hagar's story because she is the first single parent that is mentioned in Scripture. But more than that, her story also addresses not only issues that single parents go through, her story addresses issues every believer goes through. We're going to learn about trusting God processing hard decisions, living under difficult circumstances, and responding well even when you've been wronged. You're going to get so much out of this one story. So if you're a single parent in the room or if you're watching online, here's my prayer for you today. My prayer is that you walk away from this service feeling unbelievably encouraged and loved my prayer is that you walk away from this service knowing God has not forgotten you. God has not dismissed you. God has a plan for you and your family. And it is a good plan according to Scripture. We got a lot to cover today. So I'm going to invite you to go with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter number 16. Genesis chapter 16. I am not going to read the entire passage in advance because we're going to be part in chapter 16, part in chapter 21. 
But I do want to encourage you, keep your Bible open, keep your Bible app open. I'm going to share part of the story, then we're going to read part of the story. We're going to go back and forth in this. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask today that our hearts, our minds, our focus, our attention would be 100% in this moment with you right now in the word. May your spirit guide into truth. Lord, for those who are single parents that are watching, Lord, may you minister deeply into their hearts. God, for those who you've been prompting to work with single parents, Lord, may there be such an encouragement and excitement about the opportunity that, God, they, they see the next step for them. Lord, for those in the room right now or those who are watching, that maybe they've just not really thought about what's happening with single parent families. God, I pray that you would create an awareness today that leads to compassion, that leads to empathy, that leads to service, that leads to love. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you are not familiar with the story of Hagar, or maybe if it's been a while since you've read the story, I want to try to get everybody up to speed. Hagar was an Egyptian slave who became pregnant with Abraham's child after Abraham and Sarah got impatient with the promise of God. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son back in Genesis chapter 15. And whenever that son did not come in what they considered to be an appropriate amount of time, they took matters into their own hands. They jumped ahead of the timing of God. And Sarah encouraged Abraham to go and to have a child with her handmaid by the name of Hagar. And that's exactly what he did. Now, as a slave, Hagar had no choice in the matter. She gets pregnant, and after she gets pregnant, Sarah despised Hagar, chapter 16, verse 4. Side note, this is not the whole message, side note, even when sin gives you what you think you want, it still does not satisfy. She was the one who said, do this, I want a child. And the moment Hagar gets pregnant, she despised Hagar. Sarah gets mad with Abraham. Sarah gets mad with Hagar. She gets so mad with Hagar that she treats her cruelly to the point Hagar flees out into the wilderness. It's out in the wilderness that the angel of the Lord finds Hagar and says, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. What a command. Oh, my goodness, you're talking about a hard command. But then he also gives a promise. The promise is, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. Hagar receives the promise, and here's what it says in Genesis chapter 16, verse number 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. Pause there. First, Hagar is the only person in Scripture who ever names God. Let that one sit on you for just a moment. And when she names him, she names him El Roy, the God who sees. Second, Hagar obeyed an incredibly hard command. She's told to go back 
to Abraham as well as to Sarah to submit to Sarah's authority, and she did it. That takes courage, that takes faith, that takes obedience. She returns to Abraham and Sarah. She gives birth to Ishmael, that is her son, and she does that when Abraham is 86 years old. Hagar, at this point, becomes the first single parent that is identified within the Bible. Now, I want you to fast forward in the story over to Genesis 21. In Genesis 21, we now find that God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Sarah. He has now given them that son, given them Isaac. So Isaac is growing at this point. Abraham wants to hold this massive feast in celebration of his son, and that's exactly what he does. So it's at this feast that Sarah looks out and sees that Ishmael is mocking Isaac, and she gets mad. She gets so mad, she goes back to Abraham, and she has some more demands at this point. Here's what it tells us over in Genesis 21, 10 through 11. She said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. It tells us right afterwards, verse 14, Abraham gets up early in the morning, He gives some bread, he gives a skin of water, and he sends Hagar and Ishmael away. They wander in the wilderness of Beersheba until the water runs out. At this point, they're getting dehydrated. At this point, they're getting hopeless. And Hagar takes her son, Ishmael, and she puts him under a bush and she walks off to the side because she says, I don't want to watch my son die. Hagar starts to cry. Ishmael starts to cry. And I want you to remember, they are not in this situation because of decisions of their own choosing. They have been thrust into the situation. And look at what it says, verses 17 through 21. God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. By the way, you don't have to go anywhere for God to find you. You can be in the wilderness, he's going to hear. You can be on the valley, he's going to hear. Mountaintop, he's going to hear. says, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. God was with the lad. God was with the lad. When God is with your kids, you're okay. It doesn't matter if anybody else is walking with them at that moment. If God is with your kids, they're going to be okay. God was with the lad, and he grew. And he lived in the wilderness, and he became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Oh, there's so much in this story. I I wish I had about 13 messages just to preach this one. But apparently I'm supposed to go on sabbatical right after the service, so you're going to have to hold that till later on. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Twice, Hagar runs out into the wilderness in fear. Twice. God finds her in the wilderness and cares for her needs. 
there's multiple themes, multiple lessons that are all converging within this story. This is a powerful story about struggle and about exodus. It, it is an incredible reminder that God sees us where we're at and he can minister to our deepest needs. It reminds us that even when we don't know what the next step is, even when we don't have an idea as to how the provision is going to come, God not only knows what the next step is, he is the provider. He can provide for all of our needs. Hagar's story teaches us powerful lessons about faith and about promises. I, I love the fact that this story is right alongside of Abraham and Isaac because just as Abraham was promised many descendants in Genesis 12, Hagar is promised many descendants in Genesis 16, and God keeps his promises. By the way, Hagar could put on a clinic in perseverance and how to respond when you've been wronged. She is pulled into a sinful situation without her consent, and then she is cast out without any recourse. She's a single mom who was abused, betrayed, and then banished. She's in the wilderness, and she's afraid, she's destitute, she is lonely, and she is hopeless. She has no power, she has no safety net. She has no future unless somebody intervenes. And it might seem like she has nothing, but let me tell you what she does have. She has a promise from God that there's going to be many descendants who come. And she has a point of reference that in the past, God has found her when she was in need. Hey, God said and God sees. God said, I'm going to give you many descendants. God sees even when our hearts are hurting. You might only have that to hold on to. And in that moment, it might seem like that's not enough. But again, it is enough when God says and when God sees. I don't know what everybody in this room is walking through. I don't know everybody's story. I know bits and pieces of a lot of people's story. I don't know everybody's story. There's easily people right now who are listening that they are hurting, they're heartbroken, and they're feeling hopeless. You may be wondering, does anybody see, does anybody know, does anybody care? God sees and God hears. I want you to notice Hagar's story addresses so many of the questions that single parents are wrestling with. And for that matter, the same questions are those that other couples are also wrestling with. Here's just some of those questions. Does God see what's happening? Does God hear my cry? What am I supposed to do? How will we make it? Will my kids be okay? In Hagar's story, God answers those questions in a powerful way. And all of these pieces, they line up beautifully. First, God sees, chapter 16, verse 13. If you're wondering, does anybody see what's happening? The answer is yes, God sees. He sees the truth. He sees the pain. He sees the need. He sees the person. Yes, God sees. 
If you're wondering, does he hear my cry? The answer is God hears, chapter 21, verses 16 and 17. He hears and responds to the prayers and the cries of those who place faith in him. I want to encourage you, keep walking with him, keep acting in obedience, and keep sharing your heart with God in prayer. He answers in accordance with his timing. The question might also be, what am I supposed to do? Like, what's the next step supposed to be? Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. Here's the beauty of the story. God directs chapter 21, verse 18. And sometimes you might say, but I don't know what the next step needs to be. Did you know that could be the best place you could be in right there? Because if you think you know what the next step is and it's not what God wants for you, sometimes you're going to get yourself in trouble. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Sometimes when we think we know, we get in the way of ourselves. We get in the way of God's best. He directs us and oh, did you see how beautifully he compassionately and carefully clarifies the next step. And that is so important. When people are hurting, they don't need confusion. They need clarity. They need calmness. Here's what happens. Hagar did not know what the next step was going to be. God tells her, stand up, pick up your child, hold him by the hand, and remember, I'm going to make a great nation out of him. It's simple, but listen, when you're desperate just one or two words from God is all you need. It's, it's what you need, the hope in the moment to take the next step. So here's the next one. Somebody might be wondering, how will we make it? The story tells us God provides, chapter 21, verse 19. Did you know God has a way of opening our eyes to resources we never even knew existed? Verse number 19, it says, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. So many times we think, if I could just get the resource, if I could get the resource, if I knew the right person. Listen, people have resources. God is the source. When you have him, you got it all. It's the source. It's God. Philippians 4.19, it reminds us, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then also people might wonder, will my kids make it? When you, when you hear the statistics of fatherless homes, when, when you think about the tension that exists many times between trying to be both a mom and a dad, trying to fill both of those different roles, uh, single parents many times are asking, is there any way my kids are not going to be a statistic? Is there any way they're going to be able to make it? And here's the encouragement of this story. God abides. Chapter 21, verses 20 and 21. Genesis chapter 21, verse 20, it gives incredible hope. It says, God was with the lad. And notice these three pieces. And he grew, and he lived, and he became. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what every parent is looking for? I want my child to grow up. 
I, I want my child to be able to have a full life. I want my child to become everything they were created to be. In Psalm chapter 68, verse 5, God promises to be a father to the fatherless and a defender to widows and orphans. When single parents are pursuing God and trusting him and walking in obedience, they can trust the promise that God will fill the needs along the way that need to be filled so that they can raise their children to know and to love him. Three or five statements. God sees, God hears, God directs, God provides, God abides. Now, before I go on and share some other pieces, I just want you to see sometimes the beauty of Scripture is so powerful. Did you know that the story of Hagar is the exact opposite reflection of the story of the children of Israel? It's the same story taught from the opposite perspective. Hagar was a slave from Egypt who was held in Canaan. The children of Israel were slaves from Canaan who were held in Egypt. Hagar suffered abuse at the hands of Sarah and Abraham. Children of Israel suffered abuse at the hands of their Egyptian taskmasters. Hagar became a threat when she had a son. The children of Israel became a threat when their numbers grew. Hagar ran from the cruelty of her mistress into the wilderness. The children of Israel ran from the cruelty of their masters into the wilderness. For both Hagar as well as the children of Israel, it was in the wilderness that God revealed his nature, displayed his power, invited them to know him, and called them to trust him more. God teaches the same lessons in multiple ways, in multiple settings, to multiple people. And here it is. And he has a purpose behind it. And here's why this is so important. The enemy will make you think the grass of God's promises are greener for somebody else. And that is not the case. Sometimes we're too busy staring at somebody else's story that we miss what God is doing within our own story. Second, do not think that your situation is so unique that nobody understands, nobody gets how you feel, therefore nobody can speak into your life. Yes, everyone's story is different, but when it's the same God teaching the lessons, there's always an overlap of truth from one person to the next. Man, God is good. So as we close, I, I want to try to give some perspective to those who have not experienced what it means to be a single parent. And the reason I want to do this is because there's the old saying, you don't really understand until you walk a mile in somebody's shoes. Well, we can't fully walk a mile in anybody's shoes. But we can do a lot in order to try to understand and to mentally process what somebody else is going through. And when that happens, there's often a deeper level of compassion, there's deeper patience, there's deeper love that comes as a result of that. So here's just a couple of pieces for perspective. Many single parents feel ostracized at church. Not always, but a lot of times. And the reason is, there's a lot of ministries for couples and there's ministries for singles. But when you're a single with children, you don't exactly know where you're supposed to fit in. 
Many single parents feel like they are double parenting, not single parenting. And that makes sense. For a two-parent household, imagine taking away one parent's skills, support, and perspective from shared responsibilities. Single parents are trying to raise children, shoulder additional responsibilities, make memories with their kids, be there as much as possible many times while trying to keep down one, two, three jobs or more. Many times they're doing that while dealing with the tension of another parent, being engaged in legal battles, trying to deal with their own emotional hurt and sometimes even issues of trauma and abuse. I say that to say, have love, have patience. Many single parents feel like they have to constantly explain themselves or their stories out of fear of being judged. One single mom captured this beautifully. And when, when I read it, I was like, it's funny and it's not funny at the same time. Here, here's what she said. Sometimes stepping through the door of a new church as a single parent can feel like I go on a job interview and the babysitter canceled. Do you get the visual right there? It's like you, you kind of walk in and, and kids are going each direction. Like, I'm so sorry. Come back over here for just come, come with me. And they, they, they feel frazzled. Like what an incredible visual there. Also, many single parents deal with depression and isolation, feeling unloved and broken and wondering where it is that they fit in. All I'm doing in this is trying to provide perspective. I want people to see that sometimes the story, the narrative, the ideas that we made up in our head when we see somebody else walking in a different way, they've got a different story, sometimes that is totally in our head of our own making and we are judging people and being critical of people when we don't know what the story is all about. Regardless of a person's situation, Christians are called to be kind, we are called to love well, and we are called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. So what are some next steps for single parents? Um, one of the statements that I've made over the years, I brought it up I think even last week or the week before, is two of the greatest gifts that any parent can give their child is a Christian heritage and a stable home. Christian heritage, stable home. Each of the statements I'm about to give support both of those. Christian heritage and stable home. So here's the first. Live your faith in front of your kids. Don't just tell them, show them. There is a powerful example that comes when you show your kids what it looks like to walk faithfully with Jesus. The next is do what you say. When you say something and then you do that, there is a calming effect that comes with predictability. In other words, stability brings security. Whenever the child knows if my parents said it, it's going to happen. There is a predictability. There is a stability that comes with that. The next, encourage family rituals. 
establishing things like meals together as a family. Uh, It could be something like Friday night ice cream, Saturday morning devotions, whatever it might be. There's something about the rhythms of life doing the same things over and over again that brings a stability into the home. If you can, as much as possible, bring the gospel through, bring scripture through, share the word through, just build those pieces in, but do it regularly. It's not enough to just say, we did it this week and we don't touch it again for the next month and a half. Rather, go through small pieces pieces incrementally over time. The next one, build a network of support with other Christian families and friends. More than just having Christian friends, have meaningful connections within biblical community. Those connections have a powerful impact on your family. Uh, The next one is as much as within you, be at peace with the other parent. Kids do not need to hear one parent trashing the other parents. In those situations, the children do not know what to do. They do not know who to trust. And honestly, they don't need to be put in the middle of things. Do everything you can to speak kindly of the other spouse. The next, pray with and for your kids. Prayer works. Prayer works. Let your kids know that you are praying for them. Take time to pray with them. Build in a culture of God dependence within the home. They're going to need a culture of God dependence that is based in their life. The next, find godly role models at church. That one's pretty self-explanatory. And we've also touched on the last couple of weeks. And here's the last. Do not lean on your kids in unhealthy ways. And what I'm not saying is that your kids should not do chores and learn hard work and all of those other things around the house. Every kid, regardless of their situation, needs to learn how to do some chores and some hard work and learn responsibility. Okay, so I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying. In the absence of a spouse, sometimes the children can become the shoulder to cry on, the place to vent and a sounding board for making decisions that are above their level of maturity. That's a moment to bring in other mature believers, Christian counselors, others who can help process those things with you. For those who are single parents, I I pray, I hope, my desire has been that you see that there is hope in Christ. God meets us at our needs. God is faithful, he is gracious. But you might still be at a place where you're wondering, all right, I understand God can make me through, but could my kids ever excel? Could my kids ever succeed? Could could they ever rise to the top of something based on these circumstances? I just want to give you some names. And these are both from Christian as well as non-Christian context. They're pretty well-known names, but they're also people who have excelled in different areas of life based upon careers of their choosing. Did you all know that at least three U.S. presidents were raised by single moms? George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Barack Obama. Did you know that there's many billionaires who have been raised by single moms? Oprah, Jay-Z, Kanye, those are just a few. Uh, A lot of sports legends have been raised by single parents. From Lance Armstrong 
Larry Bird, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Ray Lewis, uh, Jackie Robinson, you name it. And some of the most well-known Christian leaders of our time have been raised by single moms. Charles Stanley, who just went home to be with the Lord, is one of those. Fred Luter out of Louisiana, also an SBC president, incredible pastor, was one of those. And then the name you might not recognize, but you would probably recognize the parents. The name is Valerie Elliott Shepherd. Her parents were Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. She was 10 months old when her dad was killed on the mission field, and her mom did not remarry through her adult life. Here's what I'm trying to do in this. I'm trying to let people know that there's hope, there's encouragement. The word of God speaks to the fact that God cares for people in the ups and downs of life. I want to encourage single parents, stay close in to biblical community. I want to encourage single parents to build a life of faith where you are trusting God, you're leading well within the home. Do those different things. And for every parent, regardless of whether or not you're single parenting or you're together with a couple, every parent is called to live the gospel before their family, to pray like crazy for their kids, and then trust God that he's the one who has to bring them into maturity and into the faith from there. So as we close, I don't know again where everybody's at in the room. I don't know everybody's story, who, who might have come from a single parent home, who might be a single parent at this time. But I do want to close out the service and just have prayer. I want to have prayer that those who feel like they're about to give up, that God would minister deeply to their heart through the word. I want us to have prayer that as a church, we begin to recognize where needs are at and we become more nimble and more effective in our ability to minister to the situations, to the hurts, to the pains of what people are walking through. So if you would, just bow with me for just a moment. In just a few moments, we're going to have some of our pastors and pastors' wives come up along the front. There'll be some counselors along the side as well. Our praise team is kind of getting into place, but this is a time between you and God. I don't know how it is that God's word and God's spirit might be ministering to you in this moment, but I believe with all of my heart when scripture says that his word does not return void, that God is at work in the hearts of people in this room. So it might be that you're a single parent and you simply need somebody to pray with you and for you. I want to encourage you, come talk to one of these pastors, talk to one of the pastor's wives. They would love to be able to pray with you. It might be that there's people in the room that God has been prompting you for a while, that there is a ministry, there is a place of service he is calling you to, and somehow it's connected with this topic of single parenting. And you keep saying, no, that's not me. Maybe I'm not hearing it correctly. And Lord willing, today, God said, no, I have been talking to you in this. And he's calling you to step into an area of service. It might be that there's people in the room right now that they're just saying, I don't even know where to start. This is my first time of walking into a church. I don't know anything about Jesus. I got no idea about the Bible. What you said, I kind of got some of it, but I don't know what the next step needs to be. If you don't know, let us try to help you.
in that. We're just going to have a final song. The altar is going to be open. We encourage people who have questions, they have concerns, they have needs. If you want to talk to someone, there's people who are here and they're ready to talk and to pray with you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, at this time that you would give us your perspective, that you would minister by your spirit through your word to exactly what single parents are walking through. God, we thank you for the fact that you have story after story in the word that speaks to the specifics of life. And God, may you minister deeply into the hearts of those who are here. In Jesus' name, amen.